What's up, guys? Welcome back to Black and White Church. It's your boy, Ryan Bouchette. Uh, yes, I am the black one in the podcast. And uh, I got Colton Mio here with me. <laughs> and I'm the white one. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you're Sicilian, though. That's true. So, I'm, I'm off-white. Yeah, off-white. It's okay, like if, cream, you went, maybe. if you went to Home Depot and you don't want your, white, your walls to be white, right. you want them off-white, that's yep. Sicilians. That's Sicilians, for sure. So, Colton, man, uh, there's this new cookie in town and where I live, you know, Mesa, Arizona. Uh, at this gas station called QT, otherwise known as Quick Trip. And it's a Cinnabon cookie. And it's a soft-centered cookie with cinnamon chips, hard drizzle on the top, and then soft cinnamon bun icing in the middle. What would you say to this cookie? And will you go and get one after this? <laughs> what would you say, what to, would this you say to this cookie? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> uh, I'm dying I, love for this I cookie. I do actually have a rule in life where... I don't drink coffee because uh, I have enough energy as is. Uh, dude, I, but you're from Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. Seattle has the best coffee. Best coffee. Uh, best football team as well. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> best rain. Um, <laughs> but I have this rule where if I go into a coffee shop, because I don't drink coffee, I often feel left out. So I have this rule. If I go into any bakery coffee shop, oh. if they have a cinnamon roll, I have to buy it. It's true. Like I've it's, seen it. I've literally, seen I just it. have to buy it. Um, there's very few rules I live by. Um, that's one of them. Um, so, I mean, if I end up and find myself in quick trip, I'll have to get one. I know I'm used to getting the quick trip donuts yeah. when I'm in town. Um, a staple favorite growing up here. But yeah, we don't, we don't have quick trip up in, uh, Seattle, but we do have Taco Bell and they have Cinnabon delights, which are little balls no, of cinnamon what? goodness. Y'all still have those up there? Yeah. Do you guys Dude, not have them I don't anymore? think we have them down here. Oh, well you got cinnamon twists. I'm a big oh, cinnamon guy. French toast. Big you know? cinnamon energy over so here. So this is all one big analogy about black and white people. You 100%. really think about it. You just have to think about it hard enough. Just think. Um, anyway, so we're talking about relationships today. Um, you know, like when cinnamon buns are just like wrapped in a swirl (laughs) and you just, there's no way around them. You just got to be together. Yeah. (laughs) That's bad, dude. I'm sorry. Uh, so one of the things we often hear, um, is that people say, well, I'm not racist. I got black friends. Um, <laughs> I can't even hear it. That's a joke without laughing. Uh, I'm not though. I'm not racist. But look, I'm I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. I'm not racist. And then, like coupled with that, oftentimes is the only way to solve racism is through relationships. relationships. So we're gonna hit on those two things. But one of the things tied to this, I want to hit on first. Um, that might be good to talk about. Um, is often what will happen is that people don't have black friends, <laughs> so they can't use the the line. I'm not racist. I have black friends. So what they do then is wait for a black political figure to say what they want to say, and then they share it with all their friends. And you probably can guess who I'm talking about because she's pretty famous. You have Candace Owens. Oh, Candace. Uh, Oh. And we'll be as charitable as we possibly can. We will. Ryan, why why is it concerning when someone wants to disagree with you, especially a white person, and the number one thing they always do is just send you a Candace Owens video that is – pretty rough most of the time especially her george floyd video was was pretty rough yeah um so what is it about why do you think people are so in love with candace owens especially white people um and how does that sit with you when you get shared these videos or see them on your feed yeah so the hard thing about this is candace owens is i think economically uh, probably even educationally an anomaly for the majority of black america and so she wants to come out and start saying all of these things are not true for the black community when literally the black community is saying the things that she's speaking against are true or have some merit to it. And so the the great irony of Candace Owens is that she creates this platform and this identity that is only able to exist by projecting herself against 
the larger black community. And so you guys might push back against me on that because there's a lot of black conservatives that that might follow. You got Thomas Sowell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what happens is it ends up alienating the community. You're going, hold on, like, why are you doing this? And why are you having this vitriol spew out of your mouth against us when we're one of you? Why are you talking at us, not with us? And so because of one black person's individual platform and, and, and uh, I don't know, God's sovereignty in their life, allowing them to get the opportunities that they've gotten, that does this thing to where the, the colonized versus colonizer mindset means, well, I'm going to join the ones in power and then I'm going to dehumanize or make otherness against my own people in order to keep that power and maintain that power. And that's really sad because the individual doesn't get to dictate the experience of the community. But when Candace Owens does that, it really does alienate a lot of very real experiences from the black community in and of itself. And and that's what I find so tragic is, dude, no, we, we need to stick together in the sense of let's talk together. We can disagree about some things, but you can't go and then say that everything is our fault as black people mm-hmm. when it's clearly not in the reality of America started out with slavery because people are black. So that's the frustration with Candace for me. Yeah. And, and I get Candace Owens videos a lot and Charlie Kirk. Um, those are the two favorites. Um, ben Shapiro is actually, I get the least of his, but I actually watch the most of his cause I want to stay up to date on what people are listening to. Um, but one of the things about Candace Owens that I find interesting and especially when they find like a, normally what happens is, is someone holds a pretty hard conservative or some type of view about black people. Yeah. They are scared to then share it because of how people might react to it. So they find a black person who will share it for them and then they just send it to you and ask for thoughts rather than voicing their own opinion. And for me, a lot of Candace Owens videos, at least the ones I've been sent, are pretty heartless. They're pretty cruel. They're pretty dehumanizing tone's towards the black terrible, community. Man. The tone's pretty bad. So my thing is, is if racism doesn't exist, especially on a system level, then why don't you just say what she's saying to me or to black people? Yeah. Why are you getting your black token to say that yeah. if don't have to, you don't have to worry about race, right? Because racism doesn't exist. Yeah. So why so are you getting you Candace it? Owens to say it? That seems like almost like you're acknowledging that there's a race issue, so I'm going to get the black person to say it so you'll believe it because you won't believe white people. When it's like, just say it. If that's what's true, if that's what's true, what Candace Owens is saying, then why do you have to share a black person with me? You just tell me. So anyway, moving beyond that, uh, a lot of racism, at least people think, can be solved by just having relationships. Um, And a personal story I have is... Um, my dad in the 90s got saved at a, a 90s Promise Keepers event. I don't know if you guys know what Promise Keepers are. It was kind of like Billy Grant's Crusades, but in the 90s. Um, and it was led by Bill, Bill McCartney, who's a college football coach. Um, and he basically, it was like, a, you know, preaching the gospel, good worship, and then an altar call kind of thing, a classic like crusade. Um, but one of the things that their big emphasis was, because um, they had some racial reconciliation emphasis, was that something they'd ask the audience to do is that if you were a white person, they'd want you to go hug a black guy. My dad literally did this. And looking back now, he realizes how shallow and futile that really was in the grand scheme of things. But in the moment, he had no idea because he just thought like, oh, this makes so much sense. I'm feeling so much emotion right now and love in my heart. And I know there's been such a history of hatred towards black people. So I'm going to go and hug him. Um, And if, if that's like... That's what's solving it. If we could just have more white people hugging black people and more white people having dinner with black people, then racism would go away. Um, the problem with this is, is that I think race relationships are super effective. And actually, we'll go to some statistics that yeah. actually show that. Yeah. 
but it might be a little bit too much limiting because I have a best friend who's sitting across from me named Ryan, who's black, what if up? you didn't know. And I took the Harvard implicit bias test, which kind of like helps you see if you have some implicit bias or prejudices. And I scored with a moderately uh, preferring white people over black people. Um, this is, I mean, it's, just, it's embedded in me. I might mention this in a different episode. But I, the other day, I was on a walk through my neighborhood on the phone call with a friend. And a black man was just walking a bike across the street who looked maybe a little rough. I don't know. That's how my brain internalized it. He looked rough. And subconsciously, I saw him and out of fear, turned around and walked the other way. So it's in me. It's in us. So even though I have a deep relationship with a black man, it's not gone. Like individually racism in my own heart. But we're also going to talk about racism existing beyond just individuals and in groups um, and in a corporate sense. Boom. Um, so let's let's do that. There's kind of two definitions of racism going around. The hard part is that some people are like, well, you can't keep on changing the race or the definition of racism. Racism sure. just means prejudice towards others. But sure. racism could also be done in a corporate manner, yes. which is often called institutional racism. Um, so again, we, we return back to the quote of MLK, which says, the law can't make a man love me, but it can stop him from lynching me. So why does it have to be just changing relationships and changing hearts and having good relations with black people? Why can't it be a, a multi-effort kind of approach? Why, why, I mean, a question to you, Ryan, it was why do you think white people want to not focus about anything structurally, uh, group-wise, corporate-wise, systemically, whatever words we want to use that's just beyond an individual? Why do you think white people only want to focus on one-to-one relationships as a solution to stopping racism in America? Yeah, I just think it, largely if you can call it white, quote, culture, uh, a lot of what's come over from European uh, peoples is just individualism. It's just a constant sense of individualism. And so, therefore, what individualism gives you, get, individualism gives you the advantage of, I get to take care of me and my own, and that works in a capitalistic society if you make money. And that happens to be white people in America that are making the most money. And so then, and if that triggers you right there, hearing why people make the most money, we have an episode coming up for you to work through some data. It's just straight stats, like it's just true. And and then so what that does is, if if everything about me is individualistic and it's to make money, then that means that's my focus. Don't put the needs of other people on me. Don't look at the community as dependent upon me or my success. That's why it's even hard to do white church, because there's such an individualistic mindset sometimes here um not just red mountain but i'm i'm talking white church proper like colton and i are talking about and so uh that's why i think it's hard for uh white people to see systemic racism and systemic institutional uh discrepancies in racism because every filter goes through an individualistic lens first largely because that's what came out of europe and that's what america thrives on yeah and the reality is is that it's not that the black community doesn't think relationships won't be helpful. Um, actually, I was reading a report that 48% of black people compared to 46% of white people think that working with the community will help solve community issues. Yeah, that's um, pretty even. So it, it's one of those things where it's no one's saying that relationships don't matter. Relationships are huge. But it's just, it's almost this reductionistic of like, you know, oh, the way to stop abortion is just by befriending someone who's about to get one. That actually might be super effective. But that's not what evangelicals are doing. No, what you're they actually kn- doing is yeah. voting. They know that voting matters. Well, Overturning well. Roe v. Wade matters, um, although I might disagree with that in some ways. Funding matters. Uh, funding matters for Planned Parenthood, uh, for the devices that are causing the abortions. Totally. Um, 
So we, we look at other issues, and we know that just befriending a homeless person may not be the only way to eradicate homelessness. It might fix that one individual homelessness person's life and relationship to me. Yeah. But even then, let's say a woman who's getting an abortion, she ends up not getting an abortion, but then already had an abortion in her past, and we interact, and she becomes, you know, changed by the gospel and all these different things, and she feels loved by us. But as soon as she goes to a different group and tells them she had an abortion in the past, even though she was loved by us, what's going to happen? She's going to be hated on. So even relationships can only go so far in protecting you from the person you're in a relationship from, but it's not going to protect you from other groups and other parts of society. Yeah. So it, it's it's one of those things where it's just— you got to follow it through. It's a logical end. Yeah. Why is it always an either, either or? It has to either be relationships or structural. Why can't we always be in a both-and mm. kind of environment? Um, so Ryan, what, what do you think, I got some ideas, but what do you think maybe the scriptures or the Bible might have to say about this, um, about kind of the idea of being relationships being the only way to stop racism in America? Yeah. I think, man, if you look at acts two and, and then you look at Paul's language in the new Testament. And if you look at a lot of what Jesus is talking, whenever Jesus is talking, it's always a plurality. Uh, the beauty of God is that he's Trinitarian, right? So our father, son, spirit. They are Trinitarian. So community is the very essence of existence. One, fundamentally. Two, Acts 2, Pentecost comes, and you see that 3,000 people get baptized. They're all different nations. They're all representing different parts of the Jewish diaspora. And what happens is that they start sharing their needs. They start sharing meals, sharing tables, and they're giving as anybody has need. Now, we tend to idolize the early church. All you got to do is keep reading till about Acts 5, and we already see a bunch of problems with the church. So I'm not sitting here saying like, boom, that is the number one always going to work answer, but that does seem to be the answer for the Christians is that plurality is the way in which we actually help alleviate the burdens that we are supposed to help each other bear as we do not give up meeting uh, in the life of following Jesus until he comes back. And so... Every command, everything that Paul asks us to do, all the teachings that Jesus gives and all the example that Jesus gives is not just individualistic, but it is designed to be done with uh, multitudes of people and in community. That's just how even church is supposed to function. It is a community within a community. And so uh, as I think about people talking about just having one-off relationships to fix larger systemic issues. I do think those are absolutely part of it, right? I go to any church and I'm going to have friends and then there's going to be people that are members and people that I associate with. We're not best friends with everybody, right? Yet at the same time, I know that if anybody goes down in our church or needs something, I have an obligation and I have a joy and delight to go and help whoever that person in my community is in order to help alleviate whatever's going on. That's why we even have um, benevolence funds. That's why we have uh, donations and offerings. It's because we're not just doing this for ourselves, but to lift people up uh, as needed. And so in order to take systemic racism out, we actually have to fundamentally wrap around it as a community issue, knowing that we have individual relationships. Yeah. Well, and circling back around to the thought of, I'm not racist, I have black friends. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that's interesting. It's like, well, what about guys who beat their wives? What yeah. do you want them to? Uh, is there a defense now that well, I'm married to a woman. I don't hate women. Like, don't you know that most like uh, domestic assault cases are from a married, from a married couple? couple? Yeah. Like, Ted Bundy was married, yeah. and he was a serial killer. He hated women. <laughs> like, so this idea that 
somehow by just having a relationship it absolves you mm-hmm. of having any kind of the sin that might be affecting them like there's probably aspects of your friends that you hate that aren't even black yeah and so then you take in this societal kind of baggage we have of course and so it's one of those things when i look at jesus in the sermon on the mount um I think that kind of hits on our relationships because when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus often equates, um, he's kind of working with the greater sins and the lesser sins, yep. at least in how the Pharisees talked about them. The Pharisees kind of made it, murder's really bad, but hate in your heart's not as bad. So you're, you're good if you just don't murder. That will make you righteous. And what Jesus does then is that he flips that on his head and says, even if you have hatred in your heart, it's like you've committed murder. Even if you have lust in your heart, it's like you've committed adultery. Yep. So the whole point is that even if you're not doing the outward act of racism, you're not going to KKK rallies, you're not wearing swastikas, Mm -hmm. it still doesn't mean that you're absolved of being racist or having racist tendencies because it's not about just your external expressions where it's, oh, I have a black friend, so therefore I'm not racist. It's That can exist in your heart in ways it's not even showing up on the external sphere. It might eventually lead to showing up on the external sphere, but it won't start there. Yeah, and I think also too, Colton, one of the things that bugs me about that is like, this is like the least common denominator route. It's like, oh, I have a black friend. Therefore, I don't have to do anything with this. <laughs> it's like, oh, I go to church with that person. So are you friends with that person? No, but I go to church with them, so yeah. I, don't, I don't hate them. It's that same like, what's the way I can be the least involved and then just absolve myself of the situation? And I think that's where I get bugged is like, dude are you in or not people know your 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 significant other if you have one knows when you're invested in a conversation or not when you say you had a conversation it's like yo did you talk about real things or did you kind of talk around it or did you really talk at all and she was talking and you weren't listening or vice versa you know you we instinctively know the levels of engagement and so to just write off i don't have to deal with this cuz i have a singular black friend also just feels like you're absolving mm. a relationship proper like you don't actually really know what relationship means and that could be speaking to the larger part of white church too i don't want to go too meta here but what we're finding right now in 2020 especially during this covid crisis is that a lot of our relationships in white church are a lot shallower and a lot less accountable than maybe we Mm -hmm. previously thought yeah well and that's i think where the people like candace owens fit in perfectly yeah since you don't have any skin in the game you can't really speak into it, so you go and find someone to absolve you of any responsibility. But at the same time, it's like, what if I came on this podcast and said white men are the most despicable people on earth? Does that therefore mean now that I'm right because I'm a white man talking about white men? Like, we we could look at Candace Owens mm-hmm. and how she talks about the black community, yeah. but then if any other group does this, we don't take it. Like, if an, yeah. if an Islamic man came on and said that all Islamic people are terrorists— does that mean that they are all terrorists? No. Go no. Yeah. No. I mean, some might say yes. Sure. Um, <laughs> because of America. Um, so why is it that we just seek out black intellectual influential figures that just agree with us? And I think it's because of what you were saying is that since we don't have any skin in the game, since we don't have any relationships, then we don't want to deal with this uncomfortable tension of having to realize that I might have some prejudice in my own heart and there might be some prejudice in society. So let me just find someone who looks like them that can tell me that they are actually their fault and they're bad. Um, Because that's basically what Candace Owens does. It resolves white people of any type of guilt or responsibility. Yeah. Um, Which just doesn't sound like Jesus in any way. And since typically in white church, we're talking about a lot of uh, Republican and conservative voices, not saying all of you guys are, we just wanted to bring up, again, Candace Owens, because that is somebody that 
uh, is often shared in the circles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a really good place, I think, for us to yeah. help us understand this. Well, and we would go after some of the liberal voices, but the problem is that they're not claiming the name of Jesus, a lot of them. A lot of them are not. Um, some of the politicians are, but the people who are sh- like the people who are sharing me Candace Owen videos are people who are 19-year members of a of church. Yeah. It's not like the people who are sending me Bernie Sanders videos haven't been in a church in years. No, none of my friends um, are sending me Bernie so, Sanders videos <laughs> go to church. So, yeah, of course we have issues with the left and Bernie Sanders and everything's like that. Yeah. But they're not. We don't. We don't share kin with them. We don't share a creed with them. We don't share a mm. church with them. We don't share a body with them. And so therefore, we have a little bit less that we can appeal to. Yeah. And so it's a different kind of argument. We're talking about people who believe in Jesus, who believe in His compassion, grace that God lavishly bestowed grace and compassion on us. Amen. But yet, then we listen to a Candace Owens video that talks about just destroying George Floyd's character because of his criminal record and basically telling him he deserved to, to die, die and be yeah. kneeled to death. And we say, oh, wow, this is exactly how I feel. They put words to what I'm thinking. Well, then, like, what you're thinking then is sin. (laughs) And what you're feeling is not of God. It's okay that you feel that, but you need to repent. Um, So we're we're moving. Yeah, we're moving. We got some episodes done here. We hope you enjoy them. They're short and quick, and you can digest them. And, again, this isn't a closed book conversation. Ryan, again, is not the expert on all black experience in the white church. I'm not an expert on pretty much anything, anything other than Italian pizza. Yeah. Um, which 10, I can tell you. Of experience in that. <laughs> that's true. I can attest for <laughs> I have probably, I eat pizza probably three times a week, if I'm going to be honest. I believe. And when I was in Italy one time, for those of you who are listening, I had it 23 times, or 25 times out of 23 days. Um, so. Stats. Uh, there's what some stats for you. So again, we're not trying to be the authority, the end all be all, but a lot of these things we're trying to dissect are conversation stoppers. So by dissecting them, we're trying to start the conversation. Um, so again, if you want to reach out to us through the email we have listed in the, the show notes, or if you want to find us on Instagram, that's fine too, but it probably emails a little bit safer. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks guys.